We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for October 26th, 2014. And uh, today, kind of along the same lines of um, what we've been covering in the past few weeks, continuing updates on Ebola, uh, preventative measures. We're going to be looking at some proactive things, uh, some really positive proactive things uh, near the end of the study. Um, going, going to be doing a separate uh, section on the nano silver question. I know I covered that, um, I believe back in August some, but I'm going to do a little bit more expanded uh, study on that part. And uh, also to be re- remember to be in prayer about Halloween coming up. You know, the highest, basically the highest satanic holiday. I know that's, there's some debate about that, that there is. But the human sacrifice and the whole obvious world feeding into it from a um, participation standpoint. um, Just something to really be in prayer about. And not to mention all the animal and human sacrifice that take place, you know, uh, leading up to that. So... Uh, just a reminder there, and if you're if you're not familiar with the satanic aspects of Halloween, just go to contendingfortruth.com, one word, and uh, key in the word Halloween in the uh, keyword search box, and I'll take you all the way back and show you the actual origins of Halloween, where it actually came from with the Druids and um, the whole thing of the Wicker Man slash Burning Man, uh, how that all was actually the led to the start of what we know today as Halloween. Uh, just a few Bible verses to get us started here. Psalm 138.6 Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. So, if you're a prideful person, <laughs> don't expect any help from the Lord regarding the days and times we're, we're moving into. Uh, it's not going to happen. God detests pride. It was really the first sin in the Bible. What caused? It's really what caused Lucifer to fall. And um, the reason it's so dangerous is because it blinds you. you. A proud person typically doesn't know they're proud. And um, whereas somebody that's like, let's say, a bank robber or a thief or somebody like that, they, they whether they want to deny it or not, they know they're a bank robber or thief. Pride, prideful people don't think they have a problem. And it blinds you. So God has respect unto the lowly. Uh, next verse. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt, thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies. And thy right hand shall save me. So kind of a little bit of an imprecatory prayer there. Um, and um, with the promise of God to revive us and to uh, save us. And so, these are things, just like Psalm 64, which I did that study on that, along those lines. So, if you're not, if you haven't heard that, regarding imprecatory prayers, go to uh, contendingfortruth.com and just key in Psalm in the keyword search box and you'll find that. And then the last verse, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Which, you know, that's a big, <laughs> that's that's a nice uh, Bible verse to to think about and to dwell on. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me because you really can't do it on your own anyway if you think about it. You're not going to be able to perfect anything that concerns you under your own power apart from the Lord Jesus Christ in, in, in reality. 
And then it goes on to say, Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the work, works of thine own hands. So, just some more of a positive Bible verse, you know, a few positive Bible verses there to kind of get us started here, uh, regarding the typically week-to-week horrific information we tend to cover. So let's go right back, right into the study here, and uh, we're looking at about a 20-page PDF, but I'm not going to cover the back end of it very much because this is, it's, I posted my updated recommendations uh, protective measures, things like that, on Ebola at the end of the um, the teaching, so you can have that that to reference as well. So, first report: Veterans Hospital orders emergency installation of HEPA filters to create a multi-person Ebola quarantine ward. According to Potter blog in the video below, the Veterans Administration Hospital in San Juan, Puerto Rico, is expecting a near-term arrival of a number of Ebola patients, and it is creating an, an entire Ebola ward to handle the infected patient inflow. Uh, and he states that it is unclear if this is a planned location being set up to quarantine U.S. Uh, military members coming back from West Africa after becoming infected with Ebola. We talked about that in previous studies. Or if it's purely for uh, uh, Puerto Rican Ebola outbreaks. So let's go ahead and just play this short video here. Welcome to the Potter Blog site, October 23rd, 2014. The usual situation in San Juan, Puerto Rico, a Veterans Administration hospital has ordered the emergency installation of HEPA air filters to create a multi-person Ebola quarantine ward. Now, this is the uh, Federal Biz Op solicitation for this order. We have a link to this on our website, so you may read it directly. And you notice here it says, unusual and compelling urgency. Actually calls it an emergency as we read down into it. And you have to ask yourself, if it's not airborne, why are they installing HEPA filters in the air system? Now, I think that's insane, be, uh, an insane way to approach it, because HEPA filters will actually become the very, and that's this is the problem with, with filters like that regarding the air, they'll become the very breeding ground for the actual virus. They Or they can become that, I should say. Whereas if they were using ozonation of the air... Or, or some, or UV, or, or, or something like along those lines, uh, that's not going to happen. There's no, there's no breeding ground. It's going to kill everything that it contacts. So we're going to be talking a lot more about ozone near the end of the study. I've had several people email me the report on Mercola, uh, interviewing the doctor that just went over there, and uh, his unbelievable fiasco he underwent trying to introduce ozone therapy to Sierra Leone Ebola patients, which probably would have been, you know, unless they're really near the end stage, probably would have cured them all. And his absolute fiasco ordeal he's underwent, I don't want to say anything more than that. We're going to get to that actually much later, near near the end, but uh, we're going to go over that as well. The one spot where it gives you a really good idea what's going on here. So this situation is considered an emergency and prompt action is required. Delaying repair will create a situation where an outbreak of Ebola may happen to patient, guests, or employees. We summed it up over here. Basically what's going on here is they're expecting... Let me zoom in on this just a little bit. A little bit easier to read. 
They're expecting a near-term arrival of a number of Ebola patients, and it's creating an entire Ebola ward as a result to handle the infected patient inflow. Now, it's unclear if Puerto Rico is, is the de facto, quote, leper colony for U.S. servicemen who, who are going to become infected with Ebola as they're serving in Africa via Operation United Assistance, or if this is purely a for a, a Puerto Rican Ebola outbreak. Now, the hospital is fearful that the airborne spread of Ebola out of their quarantine ward will create a situation where an outbreak of Ebola may happen to patient guest or employees. And they've categorized this as an emergency situation, and then they've awarded a no-bid emergency contract to install the HEPA filters in the ward's return air HVAC ducting. Now, basically what it sounds like they're concerned about here is that uh, there's going to be airborne Ebola in this ward, and the air ducts are going to suck it into the HVA system, and it's going to spread it around the rest of the hospital, and guests and patients will become infected with Ebola. So that's why they're installing this uh, HEPA filter system. Now, uh, based on the document, this is a map of the facility. Uh, it's going to be installed, uh, the ward is actually in the second floor of this building, uh, building 8. And that actually means it's one of these larger areas down here best we can make out. Now, uh, here's some quotes from it. Uh, it's considered an emergency. Emergency installation sor- serves Ward 2K, the South Tower, for the return air system. For the creation of a ward to attend suspected patients with the Ebola virus that have to be quarantined. This goes on and on. I think what most people don't realize is exactly how infectious Ebola is. And we cover this in some very much detail in this second video here. But uh, aerosolizing one drop of blood, Ebola-infected drug, drug contains enough virus to infect half a million people. In terms of a room size, if you aerosolize one drop of Ebola-infected blood, one person sneezing that drop, worst case, could make a uh, 1,104 square foot room infected such that stepping into that room and taking one breath and then leaving would be enough to infect you with Ebola. So, as we said, it's unusual, especially the compelling urgency. Not clear what's going on here, why Puerto Rico, hard to say, but the... uh, the fixation on the HEPA and the airborne aspect from the VA is uh, very interesting. seems to be more than what the uh, CDC is publicly calling for. So, again, what we're going to be doing today is looking at a lot of different aspects of this. What I try to do during the week is compile a lot of different uh, varying sources of information. And I know that, that I've had some stuff with uh, Alex Jones recently, but if it's something that's verifiable, if it's something that's literally um, from a source that has nothing to do with him, and if it's something that's being confirmed other places, then, you know, I have no problem putting out something like that. I mean, you're, you're getting cross-confirmation across the board on many different things. I've issued a lot of warnings about Alex Jones in the past, you know, as well. And so it really depends upon the the uh, what we're looking at and if it can be verified. And so <clears throat> let's go further here. Now a lot of there, there may be some saying, yeah, that lines up with all the body bags that were um, 
sighted in Puerto Rico. Like, I don't know, it was like a year ago or whatever. Maybe they were pre-positioning body bags there. Yeah, true, true. It seems like maybe because Puerto Rico is an island, because it's an island, it could be isolated, and it's, and it's affiliated with the United States, okay, uh, part of its territory, I believe, then Puerto Rico could be a place where they could kind of take everything to be dealt with and in an, in an isolated way, to, to a certain extent, because it is an island, and um, because it's not connected to the mainland, and because it appears they have prepositioned things there, military assets and body bags, and now this Ebola ward. Uh, who knows? I, I can't be, you know, dogmatic, but uh, something could definitely be going, going on there. So then the next report is, um, city health officials desperately search for experimental drug to use on Ebola patient Craig Spencer, the, the man that, the doctor that contracted it here in, um, New York City here in the last week. We talked a little bit more about that. So the drug, Bryn Sidofavir, is not approved by the FDA, but doctors or hospitals can apply to use the drug in special cases. Five hours after Ebola stricken, uh, Craig Spencer was hauled into Bellevue's hospital quarantine unit. The city health department sent a frantic email marked urgent asking if New York area hospitals, researchers, and pharmacies had this experimental drug that had been shown promised against the deadly virus. It's not clear if the drug uh, ever made it to Bellevue or if it was administered to Spencer, but the hunt was on as of Thursday night. The drug would presumably be under the jurisdiction of your investigational drug or research area. Uh, and um, it said Brinsidofavir, really easy name, kind of flows off the tongue, is a modified version of an antiviral drug called Sidofavir, which inhibits replication of a variety of DNA viruses. So it goes after the DNA of the viruses, just wondering if it does anything to our DNA though as well. Uh, this includes pox viruses and herpes viruses. As a result, viral replication is inhibited. Well, I wanted to know what the side effects were because, you know, everything they're going to come out with, every drug has typically a multitude of side effects. So it was not easy to find the side effects for this drug, but I was able to at least find some of them in part because it's still in the experimental phase. Side effects, gastrointestinal side effects, Reported in earlier trials, temporary dose interruptions for grade 3 diarrhea were successfully utilized in the trial, um, meaning it was causing grade 3 diarrhea, so dehydrate you would cause gastrointestinal problems. Um, three additional discontinuations in the trial were reported for abdominal pain, lower GI hemorrhage. Now, why do you want to use a drug that's causing hemorrhage of the lower GI tract. That's what Ebola does. It causes you to bleed out of every orifice. I mean, Ebola causes blood loss, I should say. Well, this drug potentially causes blood loss. So, I'm not seeing the, the correlation of why you'd want to use the two together. So, to me, it seems like insanity. Just some news reports that, that are, are running, have, have run on Drudge in the last day. Um, hospital staffers are calling in sick. Because they don't, they don't want uh, to work or potentially be exposed to this. They're, they're being deprived of the proper gear. They're not being trained properly. So you're going to see a lot of hospital workers, particularly as this ramps up, I believe just 
not show up, which is going to further compound the problem, obviously. That's something that seriously that I don't even think many people were thinking about of before all this started to happen. Obviously, you probably know by now they've got this this mandatory quarantine in now uh, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, I think in Florida too. Uh, if you've been over in Sierra Leone, Liberia, and then they have the one nurse and she's up there screaming about how unjust and all the stuff it is. The the bottom line is is these people do not need to be getting on a plane out of those infected countries, particularly if they've been working on Ebola patients. They don't need to be getting on a plane. They should be in the quarantine up front. Not after they've traveled halfway across the world and then they get here, then they're put into quarantine. It doesn't make any sense. And I don't mean some kind of Gestapo type quarantine. I'm just saying, listen, let's, let's screen these people before they ever get on the plane, if they've been working with Ebola patients in particular. You know, but no, no, let's... Let's wait until they're already here, and then if they've, if they've been exposed, and they're going to expose everybody on the way, and then, you know, then the people after them that get on the same plane, if that's not caught. I mean, we've, we've went over this before. So, you're seeing a lot of that on the news about how she's so mad about all of the way she's being treated, and this and that, and, and the bottom line is that she should have really never got on the plane to begin with, and, um, uh, this is just, I'm looking at Drudge just right now because so much stuff's always coming up. Pentagon is now building units to transport Ebola patients. Um, most of it is about how her civil rights were violated. And um, so, just a lot of stuff regarding that going on right now. Not anything um, as far as uh, like the stories that we're going to cover next, though. So let's go further here. White House emergency alert interrupts TV viewers across America. Weird messages warn not to use phones amidst Ebola concerns. So I'm going to go ahead and play this. This is straight out of FoxAtlanta.com. Surprise for AT&T U-verse customers this morning when an emergency alert appeared taking control of their televisions. Problem is, there was no emergency. Fox Size senior digital editor Will Nunley has uh, followed this story all morning. He joins us in the newsroom with the latest. Will, a lot of people talking about this one. Oh, man, they are indeed, Lisa. Imagine the panic this caused for thousands of U-verse customers. There you are catching up on morning TV when an emergency alert comes across the screen saying a special message is on the way from the White House. Here's a look at some of the photos we received into our newsroom. Once the message appeared, many of the universe units automatically changed the channel and would not allow customers access to other channels. It's an error that reportedly affected customers in Atlanta, Dallas, Austin, and Nashville. Our Fox 5 engineering team immediately contacted Uverse. They tell us the error was in the Emergency Alert Notification System, or EAN. Now, in an actual emergency, it can only be activated by the White House for a national emergency. Uverse has not told us what caused the issue, but they say they are actively working to address it. You can follow the progress of this story today on MyFoxAtlanta.com. We also have a live stream of our newscasts there if you need them in the future. From the live desk, Will Nunley, Fox 5 News. Well, thanks. So the actual message, emergency action notification, uh, do not use your telephone. The telephone should be kept open for emergency uses. 
Uh, we interrupt our programming at the request of the White House. This is the emergency alert system. All normal programming has been discontinued during this emergency. Um, it's kind of cut off here, so I can't really read it. The station will continue furnishing news, official information, instructions, and then it gets cut off. So uh, that was very, very strange, and I don't believe anything like this is an accident. I think they always do things like this, let things like this happen as beta tests to gauge public outcry um, in these types of things. So that's what I believe. Now, there's an update to this. The AT&T has blamed a nationally syndicated radio station for sending the alert message. Uh, how could a radio station send an alert message on a on a cable? You, uh, it doesn't even make any sense. <sighs> Okay, despite the fact that only a federal government can send out EAS alerts, the alert system can only be activated by the president in times of emergency. So, as usual, they're just totally lying, which is what they do best. So, a radio station did this. <laughs> that's, that's, that's rich. That's rich. So, let's go further here. Um, 100,000 body bags and Ebola in New York. Fourth Ebola positive in U.S. shows up in the Big Apple just one week after Cuomo announces random Ebola drills on New York subway. The New York Times has just confirmed that Dr. Craig Spencer has just tested positive for Ebola a day after he went on a subway system to go bowling before renting a taxi ride home. With stories breaking like this, we find it more easy to believe that there may really be 100,000 body bags ready for potential Ebola victims in New York, as warned of in the video report below by Cyber Tribe Live. So, is it only a coincidence that just a week ago, random Ebola drills were actually announced for New York subways? Uh, a doctor in New York City who recently returned from treating Ebola patients in Guinea tested positive for the Ebola virus Thursday, becoming the city's first diagnosed case. Even as authorities worked to confirm that Mr. Spencer was infected with Ebola, it emerged that he traveled from Manhattan to Brooklyn on a subway on Wednesday night uh, when he went to a bowling alley and then took a taxi home. Two major questions were brought to this, the attention here. Why has the CDC, whether deliberately or by sheer incompetence, lied about the incubation period of Ebola? Possible answer is they need time for maximum penetration and exposure, meaning they want to make sure it gets is penetrated and exposed to as many people in the U.S. as possible, which you know would obviously fill their um, depopulation agenda. According to CDC, incubation is 2 to 21 days, but it wasn't until after 42 days that Nigeria has declared was declared by WHO to be Ebola-free. So in other words, now they're saying it's a 42 incubation day phase. They've bumped that way, way up. That's, from the credible sources coming out, that seems to be the case. Uh, and if this is a weaponized strain and it's different than the original strain, well, that very well could be the case, because it's, it's a different thing you're dealing with. Also, number two, why has the new Ebola czar been totally silent? Yeah, he's really got a lot done, hasn't he? He's really on the ball. He's all over it like a cheap suit, like white on rice, you know. He, he's, he's amazing, that guy. I love him like a third cousin twice removed. Oh, sorry. Sorry, a little humor there. Anyway, possible answer, because he is a depopulation proponent and has stated publicly, as shown in this video, that overpopulation is today's biggest problem, in which that's what he believes. So he's the perfect guy to have for our Ebola czar, because he is going to be the one that coordinates, and that's 
Literally, the only reason they said they brought him in is because he's really good at coordination. Coordination of evil agendas is what they mean. And he's going to coordinate all the depopulation schemes going on to make sure that we have maximum death, destruction, misery, and woe heaped on us in America. That's his job. And, and he seems like the satanic guy for, for the, uh, to fill this bill here. Now, let's go ahead and, and uh, I'm going to play a little video here. And uh, we'll go into this further. Hey guys, Robert here, CyberTribeNetwork.com. Just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about this New York Post article that is just amazing to me. Uh, if you if you read here, 911 dispatchers are forbidden from using the word Ebola on the radio. That, that goes for firefighters, EMTs, 911 dispatch. Because of radio hobbyists, they don't want people listening in and hearing the word Ebola and going crazy with it. So they've got code words now that they use for people that are uh, or potentially are uh, infected. And I guess they call them uh, overseas travelers or something like that in their little code words. But uh, if you check this article out, toward the end, it talks about how... um, There's a place across the street, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, um, Responders were given a memo laying out a 19-step process for putting on and then safely removing and disposing their protective gowns and gloves. Uh, We are the agency on the front lines of this. 99% of the jobs will be handled by us, the EMT, uh, head of the New York's EMS union. The FDNY also, the fire department also has a dozen Haztec workers in each borough designated to deal with potential Ebola patients who are vomiting, bleeding, or suffering diarrhea, sources said. They are equipped with $2,000 in special protective gear and would provide transport to a hospital. Most patients would go to Bellevue Hospital where up to 20 isolation rooms are available. Now listen to this. They're preparing here in New York. There's a lot of fear in New York. People are, this is why they're changing the language. They're not wanting people to panic. And if you read this article, you'll get the gist of it, of the fact that they are trying to downplay this as much as possible to the point of not even using the word Ebola anymore in any type of communications. Now, here they say they've got 20 isolation rooms that are available at Bellevue Hospital. Now, listen to this. We can replicate the same isolation rooms in other hospitals if needed, said Dr. Ram Raju, uh, the commissioner of the City Health and Hospital Corps. Uh, Blood samples will be tested by the city health department at its lab across the street from Bellevue with results available within six hours. And then it goes on to say the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention will do backup tests yielding results the following day. So they're going to get it really quick. Most hospitals in the nation cannot do this with these types of results that quickly to find out if it truly is a positive test for Ebola. But if they have the right type of uh, facility they can and the right equipment. But listen to this. This is where it really gets intense here. The U.S. Centers for D- Disease Control and Prevention will do backup tests yielding results the following day. The medical examiner's office will take jurisdiction over any confirmed or suspected Ebola death in the city, a spokesman said. We have now had about 133 calls since July concerning patients with possible Ebola symptoms. And 133 are false alarms. This is what they said. But at least one company, the city's main supplier of body bags, 
is ready to pitch in should the outbreak turn into an all-out crisis. Listen to this. We have, quote, more than 100,000 bags on hand. This is body bags, assured company vice president Bashir Mahar. Well, I'm very assured by the fact that they have that many bags, really. That really makes me feel comfortable that they're ready with 100,000 body bags to take care of whatever kind of crisis this Ebola does bring. Well, they already got 20 beds available that are specifically designated for Ebola patients in this one hospital at Bellevue and are able to replicate that at all the other hospitals around the city. So they are preparing, it seems, for an onslaught of Ebola cases. I mean, they've got 100,000 body bags. This is a New York Times article, guys. Last... Okay, so that, uh, hopefully that kind of, they're, they're gearing up for something there, big time, and this is what they're admitting to. I mean, who knows how many, you know, potential body bags, you know, they may actually have. Um, but anyway, that that's that report, so let's go further. This is from the Q Alerts, and a, a man that wrote in. He said, please read, I talked to a top scientist 15 years ago about this issue. He told me that, the, now, again, I wouldn't be saying this unless this wasn't confirmation to many reports I have talked about regarding binary and tertiary agents, trigger agents, that could be used in chemtrails, could be used in vaccines, could be used in the water system, to actually be the last ingredient to really start a pandemic. And they can't be, they, they can't, in other words, they can't have people being vaccinated, walking out of the Walgreens drugstore and dying in the parking lot. That's not going to go over too well. Not many people are going to r- be rushing to get vaccines. But if it's it's a combination of two or three different things and, you know, it's it appears very, very random, the satanic government can still come out smelling like a rose. This type of report, confirms this. Uh, This gentleman says, I talked to a top scientist 15 years ago about this issue. He told me that, and this is 15 years ago, he's saying, the trigger activation would be in the chemtrails. I was told this was a deadly biological weapon of mass extermination, calculated and designed to go airborne and thus be highly contagious. Uh, The masses would lay in their homes and bleed out. I received the following information from an ex-military guy whom I have known for about eight years. He served in special ops. I'm recalling some of the things he said. He suspects that 1,600, that the 1,600 U.S. Army troops, and that's way more than that, but who were recently sent to Africa to contend with Ebola threat are, I believe it's about 5,000 now, are to be exposed to the Ebola virus, which is not the true Zaire Ebola virus, but a man-made variant, the weaponized version we talked about. And that these troops will be injected with a new Ebola vaccine, which will subdue the specific virus. However, recalling um, the, his victimization as a virus vector in the army, he suspects that the anti-Ebola vaccine will be given to these U.S. soldiers in Africa. Uh, and just as they did to him, this vaccine will also contain a trigger element. In other words, these people, they're, they're being vaccinated just unbelievably. I've had numerous reports from soldiers, um, Navy, Army, what you name it. I mean, just a literal cavalcade of, of vaccines they're being given, essentially. And um, 
when you go into the armed services, they pretty much own you lock, stock, and barrel, and you pretty much have to do whatever they tell you to do, and this is where they're beta testing a lot of the the um, these vaccines, and that's why the troops come back so unbelievably physically decimated, among other things, but that's one of the main reasons. And so, let's go further here. Um, these soldiers who have unwittingly been made virus vectors will then come home to the United States, and many of them will be discharged. Thusly, they will be dispersed to all areas of the United States. This man told me that these vector soldiers come home to the United States. Pathogens will later be released into the atmosphere, perhaps in chemtrails or other ground releases, such as the subway systems or major cities. I don't think it's going to have to take where they're literally discharged. I mean, they can come home and be put on leave for a while. I don't think, I don't think in other words, I don't think they'd have to wait that long for everybody to be discharged. I, I, to me, they'd want to get this show on the road a lot quicker. Um, I hope it's not the case, I'm just saying. So let's go further here. Um, pathogens will later be released into the atmosphere, perhaps chemtrails or other ground releases, such as subway systems in major cities. So... The later plot has already been perpetuated in the New York City subway system when they released the Serrata Marcensens bacteria, which was encapsulated in light bulbs and tossed in the subways. This diabolical plot is documented in the books Clouds of Secrecy by Professor Leonard Cole of Rutgers University. My ex-military friend told me that the trigger element planted in the U.S. soldiers' Ebola vaccinations in Africa will then recombine in their bodies uh, with the pathogen that is to be released throughout the United States. The product of this recombination of the pathogen to be released and the trigger element um, that was earlier injected in the 1,600 vector soldiers, more like 5,000 vector soldiers, will be a deadly biological weapon of mass extermination calculated and designed to go airborne and thus be highly contagious. Remember the Batman comic book of 1996 foretelling this symbolic storyline this diabolical plot for mass extermination of the American population. You see, flu vaccines contain, I don't know if you say do or will contain the trigger element when injected into thousands of victimized vectors will recombine within the bodies of some of these vectors. This is why they're pushing the flu vaccine so hard. They want to get as many people with these trigger elements and these, these viral vectors in them so that when they release whatever they want to release, because I really believe it's going to be shock and awe, it's going to be order out of chaos, they want as much of the populace already primed and pre-positioned for maximal infection and that they can become vectors of spreading this as possible. And this is why they're pushing the flu vaccine so hard as well. Um, let's go further here. Uh, this, when injected into thousands of victimized vectors, will recombine within the bodies of some of these vectors to make the lethal but non-contagious virus to be released, become airborne mutant of that virus. My contact also believes that the recent ushering in of thousands of children from Central America, Mexico, across the Texas border near San Antonio is part of the very same plot that is being perpetuated against our 5,000 U.S. soldiers, and I suspect that the ushering in of the thousands of illegal Mexicans across the border is likewise another part of this very same diabolical plot of mass extermination of the American population. Uh, in fact, Infowars.com reporters have confirmed that the Centers for Disease Control is spearheading an unprecedented roundup of illegal Mexicans who are exhibiting flu-like symptoms. It really was an Infowars. They interviewed the Border Patrol agent. I played that interview in a recent study. And 
where he was confirming this, former Border Patrol agent of like for decades. They're asking a vital question. Where are the CDC's disease agents taking all these illegal, apparently diseased um, Mexican and Central Americans? My ex-military special operations vaccine victimized uh, contact told me that he has learned that those thousands of Central American children are being housed at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. I believe we reported on that last week as well. Near the Texas border, he believes that these children are likewise being infected and injected with the trigger element as part of this. So in other words, if it was just the soldiers and it was just coming from them, it might be a lot easier to pin down. But if it's coming from illegal aliens, soldiers, who knows what other category they may have in there, then it will be much harder to point a finger and say, oh, it's just this one group that is spreading it. They want to have multiple groups that are spreading this at the same time. Um, The sick Mexicans who today are being rounded up and sequestered by the CDC are probably also being brought to Lackland Air Force Base. And Lackland or some similar place is where the ill um, Mexican Central Americans are probably being sequestered for vaccination with the trigger element that will later make their disease go lethally airborne. Beforetsnews.com has recently broken the story of the disease epidemic at Lackland Air Air Force Base, an epidemic that is now kept under a tight veil of secrecy, enforced by ominous threats against the insiders at Lackland. And we have reports that people fleeing Africa are being given easy entry into the United States, more desired fuel to feed the fires of contagion. So, although that was a little bit disjointed in the way it was written, it it really confirms a lot of what we've reported on in previous weeks, some, uh, of, of far, as far as scenarios go, how this may spread. Uh, next report, also from the Q alerts here. Uh, some info to be aware of. I work locally for a city police department in Tennessee, and one of my tasks is processing postal mail requests for reports, records, backgrounds, and we also check local background for employment purposes for government agencies, federal, state, and local. Something I've noticed in the last few weeks is a sudden increase of requests for employment background checks from the Federal Office of Personnel Management, um, which is U.S. government jobs. And last week I processed three packages of background requests and noticed that a good number of them were lower-wage jobs, such as laborers and similar low-wage jobs, and most of these would be like similar to janitorial cleanup, heavy labor, such as digging either by hand or with heavy machinery. You see where this could go, given the Ebola situation, amongst others. Uh, While requests for employment backgrounds checks are not uncommon, what is uncommon is the sudden spike in requests coming in for large and for primarily low-wage labor Um, hard labor positions. Not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, however, there is a reason to think that a large number of folks will will be needed to to do cleanup work, possibly mass burials, cremation at some point, and there were some requests for higher wage jobs related to specific specialized work such as healthcare, engineering, but most were low wage labor type jobs, which would be, you know, they're going to be more of those jobs, obviously, than the higher end jobs. I've been in the PD police department for over 20 years, and most of it's spent with records part in the police department and in records since January of this year, and I've not seen this level of federal employment background requests at all until the last month or so. So he's 
never seen anything like this in the 20 years it's been there. Also keep in mind that Knoxville uh, has the main campus of the University of Tennessee, University of Hospital, uh, which most likely is where Ebola cases in this area would go, and we have Oak Ridge National Labs about 40 miles northwest of the city, and lots of tech companies in the area as well. The major regional airport here is McGee-Tyson, and McGee-Tyson Air Force Base, as well as the National Guard. So a lot of things around here in this area. And it's no secret that lots of Russians, Middle East, and Asian folks reside here in Knoxville, and the surrounding area, and in the Smoky Mountain area, around Gatlinburg, Townsend, and Cades Cove. Now, I, I went to Gatlinburg and saw it myself, and I reported on that, you know, that was like, I don't know if that was like a year ago, or, anyway, um, just King Gatlinburg, in the keyword search box at ContendingForTruth.com, we, we talked about that, how they've prepositioned a lot of foreign, most likely foreign troops, foreign nationals there, um, in that area, we saw it with our own eyes, so, that's something to think about as well. Okay, so next report. After successfully exposing monkeys to airborne Ebola, which causes which caused a rapidly fatal disease in four to five days, scientists at the U.S. Army Medical Research Institute of Infectious Disease concluded Ebola can spread through the air, but likely hasn't in equatorial Africa because the region is too warm, with temperatures rarely dropping below 65 degrees Fahrenheit. We demonstrated aerosol transmission of Ebola virus at lower temperatures and humidity than that normally present in sub-Saharan Africa. So they're admitting right out here that once the the, um, the temperature, you know, gets lower, aerosol transmission is is absolutely, you know, a reality here. Um, and this was a the 1995 study entitled Lethal Experimental Infectious of Rhesus Monkeys by Aerosolized Ebola Virus reported Ebola virus sensitivity to high temperatures and humidity in the thatched mud and wattle huts shared by infected family members in southern Sudan and northern Zaire may have been a factor limiting aerosol transmission of Ebola virus in the African epidemics. Both elevated temperature and relative humidity have been shown to reduce the aerosol stability of the virus. So, again, as the, as the temperatures drop, um, if they're trying to spread this to a maximal degree, and, and again, obviously, the temperatures are only going to get colder from here on out, this would line up perfect with that scenario for spreading the Ebola virus. Um, as we get into the colder months, let's go further. Another, I believe, Q report. Yeah. Last week, I attended the NATO Future Forces Expo held here in Prague, where we had a stalwart slash silent pocket booth. Now, the silent pocket is like the blocket pocket. It's like the ID stronghold wallet. Um, I hadn't heard of this one. It's really nice. I mean, I, I give you a link here. It's silent-pocket.com. And it basically just blocks all the signals coming off a smart or cell phone or, or um, those types of things. Um, it, you, I think they've got wallets to block the uh, people reading your credit cards or um, any chips you might have in your credit cards. And um, so anyway, th- this guy was actually, he had a booth promoting this product. Okay, 
It said we were well received, and I can share. Now remember, this is a NATO Future Forces Expo, so like NATO, like um, uh, this had to do with military applications, I believe. We were well received, and I can share that more than half a dozen international militaries and security services have committed to testing and evaluating silent pocket items for their own use. But what is most notable is we spoke with a nation who is involved in border activities and their representatives. And I was describing how thermal imaging can be done to find a soldier to track and kill them, and now the same can be done with mobile phones that most soldiers are carrying, and then the man's face and then that man's face changed. In other words, the person he was telling this to, his face changed. Um, he then told me their forces near the Russian border have been getting rocketed and killed for a while. Uh, they thought it was spies or Russian recon units or on the Ukrainian side of the border. But they learned that it was specifically cell phones and cell phone use which was being used to locate them, which resulted in multiple rocket launcher attacks. People can draw their own conclusions. Meaning, to them, they knew where the enemy was, I guess. And they knew that anybody in this particular area, if they had a cell phone, they were the enemy. So they were just targeting where the cell phone signals were. Even if they didn't have the specific information, and even if the phones were turned off. They could target them. So this is very... I wanted to include this in today's study because this is very important to understand that if things start to go bad and you start to hear about military on the street and you start to suspect any red or blue list, list pickups going on, okay, you want to get rid of your phone. Unless you've got some type of throwaway phone you had ahead of time that you programmed anonymously that you don't use... Or maybe let, let's say you activated it, or let's say you had one set aside, some like track phone or something, you had one set aside and you activated it right when everything started going bad and you got rid of all your other phones. But even then, they can tell if you've got a phone on inside your house. So even then you'd want to keep that in some type of blocking container. Now you can wrap it in aluminum foil. I would double, triple wrap it. you know. But these cases are nicer because then obviously the foil, you got to unwrap it and then you know, that's only going to work so many times before that starts to kind of crumble. Um, not only that, I'm, I'm not just, you know, you'd want to make sure you tested the phone wherever you got it. Like, try to call it and make sure that whatever you buy works. That's another thing that's, that's good to be, you know, just not to take anybody's word for anything. They've got um, uh, bags you can buy that block the cell phones as well, though the... Uh, uh, they almost look like mylar type bags. So there's a lot of options you have there. But it's just something to just to think about. Because this could literally, I'm not saying the Lord can't protect you, but this is literally something that probably will cost a lot of people their lives because they're not aware of this information in the days ahead. So, um, it goes on to say, so what I have suggested could happen is indeed happening and have and having the phone switched off didn't matter. Although it was much easier when they turned on the phones, much like a jet fighter knows when an area radar has been turned on and can track the source. For the record, some militaries use smartphones. I've also heard even if you remove the battery, some of these phones have another little thing in there that will let the phone transmit 
so they can ping off it for a couple more hours. I've heard, I, I've reported on that in the past. Now, I can't verify it, and I think it would matter on the phone. I don't know. But, like, let's say things get bad really bad really quick. Well, the best thing probably to do would be to take your smartphone, take the battery out, if you could get it out, and they make it in these iPhones where you can't even get the battery out, basically, and or destroy the thing, and go one step further and wrap it in, like, multiple layers of aluminum foil and get rid of it. I'm just saying, I mean, you, you, you cannot have a smartphone going into what we would be going... I mean, if things start to go bad and, and pick up lists or initiate and stuff like that, you cannot have a tracking device associated with your name and your address. And that's what it is. Okay? So, remember, this would apply to a certain extent laptops as well. You know? Um, because they can, you know through Wi-Fi and these types of, of broadcasting things. So, I mean, if you got them shielded, if you've got them in the... And they've got big, those big Mylar bags that you can buy for um, the um, laptops. Okay, so like this one, Tech Protect. Uh, this product meets U.S. military specification, uh, Faraday bag, Tech, T-E-C-H, Protect bag. One word, techprotectbag.com, or EMP, as in an electromagnetic pulse. This would also protect your electronics from electromagnetic pulse, which could also be another huge issue. EMPbags.com. Now, those are the bags. Those are the ones that are like mylar, like the balloon, like mylar, like real shiny. Not real practical to carry around with you, like on the cell phone, but these, like the silentpocket.com, you have shielded wallets, you shield all your credit cards, you shield your cell phones, those types of things. Now, it, it's, there's so many beneficial things. Tracking, you're not being bombarded with the radiation, you're protecting your electronic device. Um, it's absolute, total no-brainer uh, regarding that. So those are, those are some things that you can think about here. Uh, let's go further here. For the record, some militaries use smartphones for communications with special apps because they are more reliable, but they are also more vulnerable. As a result, we have received some orders from militaries who are almost universally waking up to the exposure that mobile phones present. The exposure you're, 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 you're um, potentially giving yourself to the enemy, in other words. Almost universally, most people we met knew exactly what our products represent and what they do. So, I've been saying this for a long time. That, you know, this is something that is bare minimum something you should be doing. Or at least have in place. You know, have a throwaway phone in place ready to activate. I mean, these are not expensive. You know, have that, if, if you have to buy the, the um, $20 card to activate your track phone, have that in place already done. Be ready to dispose of your smartphones. Be ready to shield your laptops. Uh, And why I say shield your laptops is is if you get into a a situation where, um, I don't know, even underground, that type of thing, you could use a laptop there. You're not going to be able to use a smartphone underground. Uh, what I'm saying is this laptop, you might have a lot of your files on there and stuff like that. So, But a smartphone, I don't see any any way around ever being able to use one of those 
uh, particularly if it's associated with you and and has all of your information associated with it. So these are just some things to think about. You know, have your wallet shield. Have you know, buy the the ID stronghold or or the uh, or this this one I just said, this silent pocket um, or block it pocket. The whatever ones you like. Um, I use ID stronghold, um, and um, but there's there's a lot of good brands out there, and so some of the things. Oh, they also have really nice ID stronghold, really nice women's wallets. I mean, really classy, you know. It's not like, you know, you bought it at 7-Eleven or something and, and it's, you know, real cheesy or whatever, made out of genuine imitation Nogahide, you know. It's not like that. It, they're, they're really, really nice, some nice products. There. I mean, and they're not, they're not super cheap, but then again, they're not super outrageously expensive either. You're not going to break the bank on them. So, anyway, let's go further. Um... Public health authorities said Friday they hope to begin trials of the Ebola vaccines in disease-ravaged West Africa as early as December. So I'm, I'm keeping a real close eye on when they're saying they're going to roll out these Ebola vaccine trials. Um, and it said as early as December, and they could know around April whether they were effective, clearing the way for possible mass inoculations to stem the epidemic, which is the last thing it will do. It will propagate it all the way. Uh, but, you know, now, okay, if that was the case, then April, you'd be looking, but see, April, then we'd be going back into summer, you know, spring to summer, and then the Ebola wouldn't be nearly as transmissible, so they'd have to wait a whole other, you know, basically spring, summer, going back into fall, which is about where we're at now, you'd, you'd almost have to wait a whole year before that could properly be where you could be in position again to spread this thing, like they want to spread it. And that's why I'm, I'm part of me is very reluctant uh, to believe that it, they're going to take that long to try to do this, that they will try to do it this year, during this winter, before they even been, even have a vaccine, which, then again, <laughs> vaccines are a huge part of this. So maybe maybe that's what this is. Maybe Maybe it's going to be a whole other year. Maybe this is setting us up for next fall and winter. I, I don't know. I just don't see how they're going to be able to roll out a vaccine anytime soon because they've, they've as I've stated before, both U.S. and now you have the uh, the West African government saying that December would be the soonest they would be uh, rolling these out. And obviously it's going to take some time to evaluate the, the results there. So, we'll see. We'll see. And again, to be praying against this wickedness is is the most important thing. Next report. Um, the WHO says million, millions of Ebola vaccine doses ready for 2015. World Health Organization said millions of doses of two experimental, which, you know, makes me feel warm and fuzzy, uh, Ebola vaccines could be ready for use in 2015 and five more experimental vaccines need will, will start to be tested in March. Um, so again, now they're talking about they're going to be ready for these experimental, okay, by 2015, five more vaccines ready to start in March. So now we're, we're out of, we're out of fall, we're out of winter, we're, we're well into spring, or we're into spring there. So is it going to be next 
fall and winter that this actually ends up going down? I don't know. I mean, I know the vaccines are a big part of, of the genocide of, of the planet and of, of uh, modifying our DNA, I think, is a big reason they want to do this. Not only the, the genocide, but the modification of the DNA so that we're not fully human anymore. Um, or we're something different. We're post-human. Human 2.0, as the transhumanism movement likes to talk about. So we'll see. The trial of these two most advanced vaccines, one developed by Satan, I'm, I'm sorry, I mean GlaxoSmithKline, in cooperation with the U.S. National Institutes of Health, so that's basically Satan, and the other developed by Canadian Public Health Agency and licensed by the U.S. company New Link Genetics, have already begun in the U.S., U.K., and Mali. Next report. Ebola vaccine trials to begin in Baltimore next month. So now they're saying here that they're going to begin, and I didn't believe this when I saw it, but uh, I got confirmation, a listener sent this to me, and then I got confirmation, uh, and I gave you all the confirmation here that this is, this is true. An unusual request recently appeared in the classifieds and on-campus bulletin boards. Wanted Baltimore area volunteers to test a vaccine for the Ebola virus. The response was overwhelming, said Kier- Kirsten like an associate professor at the University of Maryland School of Medicine who was working on the study. The slots were filled within days. By this time next month, researchers expect that nearly two dozen Baltimoreans will be building immunity to Ebola. Isn't that wonderful? Can we get a golf clap or something? Some type of appreciation for this. I'm looking at the actual thing that was um, put out. It says volunteers needed for research study. Healthy adults, 18 to 65 years old, are needed to participate in the study of an investigational Ebola vaccine. The study will evaluate the safety of the vaccine and its ability to generate an immune response. You'd have to be out of your mind to volunteer for this. I'm sorry, but I mean, this is total insanity. It's done by the University of School of Maryland. This was in the BaltimoreSun.com. I mean, this isn't some, you know, they're openly admitting this stuff. A host of experimental vaccines and treatments for Ebola are speeding through the regulatory process that would usually take months or years as the number of cases grow exponentially in Africa and the outbreak threatens to spill into the, into the United States and other uh, developed nations. Usually the process of developing a vaccine and testing it for safety and efficacy takes years. But given the urgency of the outbreak, that sort of timeline wasn't possible. They decided it would be worth the risk and pledged that while the process would be sped up, no corners would be cut, said Satan. It uses a chimpanzee cold virus that carries an Ebola protein. So that's good. We get some chimpanzee DNA, modified DNA, and with a Ebola protein piggybacking, like a little Ebola protein uh, chaser, on its piggybacking on it. Isn't that special? So that's what we're going to have here for this vaccine. And now that's going to start next month. Um, so, yeah, there's one that's that's going to be starting a whole lot quicker than December, it looks like. And that one's, I think, more like regional or local. They're not going to put that out in the national news. At least I haven't seen them do it yet. Here are three different confirmations that this is legitimate. Straight from the 
Medical School at the University of Maryland. Three different links, plus the Baltimore Sun link that they're doing this. So, um, I guess we're looking at, let me just click on this link. If, if they start this next month, and this was put out on October 18th, which, okay, we're looking at eight days ago. So we're looking into November. So that's the that's the fastest one vaccine thing uh, trial that I've seen yet. Okay, starting in November, there's one right there. So that one is at the at the front of the pack regarding that. Let's go further here. Um, oh, I also wanted just to get into when I when I played that Funvax video with uh, the Pentagon video, there's a lot of controversy over that video, and I even acknowledged that before. Um, my response to, re- regarding the apprehension about the video, um, there's a link, and I give you the link here, it's from the examiner.com, it really brings up some good points about that particular video. Um, whether the video is totally 100% not legit or legit, there's a lot of things in the video that they are trying to do. I believe that. And the whole thing about the VMAT2 gene is actually valid as well. And, and my response is, while I can't be totally dogmatic about the video, the VMAT2 gene does appear to exist. And that was the main premise whereby the, va- the, prep- the presentation took place. If they could deactivate this gene through some type of genetic vaccine, it appears that would be a major victory for Satan, as the Lord put the VMAT2 gene there for a reason. I'm not saying it would mean a person couldn't get saved, but it sure wouldn't help. The fact that a vaccine could be developed to deactivate this gene is all the more reason not to take any kind of vaccine, as you never know where they would try to slip it in. Again, this is the whole thing about the vaccine agenda. There's so many things they can do in a vaccine. And a listener also, now the, the link I provide is also... Uh, an excellent link regarding this, and it's here in the PDF for uh, October 26, 2014. And also that another listener sent me this. And this is a scientific study that was published in PR Newswire um, on October... Man, October 20th, 2014. So this just happened six days ago. Neurocrine, which is this company, Neurocrine Biosciences, Inc., announces initiation of Phase 3 studies for VMAT2 inhibitor. They've got a drug called NBI-98854 that specifically inhibits the VMAT2 gene. They've got a drug that does this. Okay, now how easy would that be to incorporate into a vaccine or even possibly to aerosolize in via chemtrails? So, in other words, they are trying to do this. <laughs> there are pharmaceutical companies out there specifically trying to find ways to inhibit the VMAT2 gene. Um, Neurocrine Biosciences Inc. announced today that it has initiated phase 3 clinical trial of its proprietary vesicular monoamine transporter 2 compound NBI-98854, which is the name of this drug. VMAT2 is a protein concentrated in the human brain that is primarily responsible for repackaging and transporting 
monoamines, dopamine, neuro, neuroepinephrine, serotonin, and histamine in presynaptic neurons. NBI-98854 developed by Neurocrine Laboratories is a novel, highly selective VMAT2 inhibitor. Now they're saying they're going to do it because it's going to help with certain diseases that supposedly where VMAT2 is more active. I don't trust them. I don't trust them or believe what they're saying. But that's why they're saying they're doing it. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of give a little more along those lines um, regarding that. Uh, let's see here. Okay, I'm going to uh, not not really switch gears, but I'm going to kind of go to another uh, part of the Ebola talk. So I'm going to go ahead and end part one here, and we will go to part two next. God bless you. Scott Johnson's 800-plus audio teachings and PDF documents are available for free 24-7 on the Internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-4-F-O-R-Truth-T-R-U-T-H.com. In addition, we also offer a free Christian current event and health email newsletter. You can sign up at contendingfortruth.com. These email newsletters typically only generate about three to six emails per month if you subscribe to both lists. Please prayerfully help us to continue this work. For mail correspondence or to support this ministry, our mailing address is 2359 Highway 70 Southeast, box number 321, Hickory, North Carolina, 28602. Or on the internet, a PayPal donation link can be found at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.